Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. And so, um, and just so, I just want to say thank you. I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I absolutely love your pastor, Justin Graves. I, if I lived in Tulsa, I would be here every Sunday. I just think that this is, uh, your pastor is incredible. I love Michael Ballard too, and uh, he's awesome. And I, uh, me and Michael have the same hair barber actually. And so um, we just thank you guys for allowing me to, to be here today. I'm going to speak to you as, I was, as I've been praying about this. I'm going to speak to you from a subject that probably if you were to cut me, this, this message, this topic is, is uh, definitely what I would, what I would, would, uh, would bleed. My wife is sick today. We've, we've been doing the thing. I have a son who is seven, a daughter who's three, and my wife, and they are the love of my life. I don't have any pictures of them. Go stalk me on Facebook or Instagram, and you can see how incredible they are. God has blessed me. But they've all been sick, and today my wife is, is sick as well, and so be in prayer for here. So I am, I am here. I love this time of year. Who in here loves the fall? I love the fall. I love the fact that uh, football is going. OU won yesterday. OSU had a great game. It was a, a bye week. They should do that more often. And, um, <laughs> and sorry. And um, I, I love football. I love the fact that Thanksgiving is coming up. I'm in such a good mood by December. I'm already excited to watch the 34 new Christmas movies that Hallmark is coming out with with my wife. All right. I'm even. I'm even that excited. And so I love this. I love this time of year, and Halloween is coming up, and I know we don't celebrate Halloween as Christians, but uh, we dress up. And so anyways, um, my, I asked my son and my daughter, I was like, Ramsey, she's three, what do you want to be for Halloween? She says, I want to be a princess, and of, of course she does, and she wants to be a princess, and she's going to be awesome. I asked my son, who's seven, I said, hey, hey buddy, what do you want to be for Halloween? He said, I want to be a Navy SEAL, all right? And I was like, that's awesome. And my house, we went straight from Mickey Mouse Clubhouse to Lone Survivor, all right? My wife didn't like it. I went into his room the other day, and this is what I found. I think I have a picture. Um, <laughs> so... Um, I'm pretty sure they're both fake. I, I know the gun is, the knife might be real. So anyways, <laughs> sorry if I offended you. But anyways, um, but what I found out when my, when my son said that is from an early, 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 early age, we all want to be something great, don't we? My son, last Halloween, he dressed up as Tim Riggins from Friday Night Lights. You don't get much more of a superhero than that. If you don't know who he is, you need to watch that because you're missing out, all right? My son wants to be a football player. He wanted to be a police officer. This year, he wants to be a Navy SEAL. We all want to do something great for God. And in fact, I believe last week, uh, Pastor Justin talked about, you know, the future and how we've been called to, from Acts 1-8, we've been called, your church is called, you want to reach Jerusalem and Judea and the end of, to the ends of the earth. But he talked about how we got to make sure that we reach our town right here. Today, I want to tell you that if you truly want to be a great, 
at being a youth pastor for 12 years now, I believe the greatest superhero does not go by Superman. The greatest superhero does not go by Batman. The greatest superhero is simply goes by this. It's mom and dad. The greatest superheroes we can be, we can change the world. Can I tell you today, it's not the Republicans, the Democrats. Let me tell you who I believe will change the world. I believe moms and dads are the ones who will change the world. Today, I'm gonna to be speaking to you. If you're, if you're uh, maybe you're not a mom or a dad. Well, you know what? I believe that there's someone out there who you're gonna be able to mentor. There's someone who's younger than you. Maybe you're a mom or your dad and you're right in the middle of this and can I tell you that I'm praying for you because I think you have the greatest title ever. Perhaps you're a student or, or, or a college student and, and you're not quite there yet. I, you're like, I haven't even found that person. Can I just tell you today, listen to what I have to say. Start becoming the person you're looking for is looking for, all right? But today, I really wanna speak to you on this topic. And my scripture comes from Psalms 127, verses one through five. And it says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Now listen to this. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. And this is the part that I really want you to listen to today, which will lead into one of my, my other favorite parts of this time of year. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the court. The other thing that I love about this time of year is hunting season. <laughs> I love to go hunting. All right, I like to get out there with my bow. I'm not very good at it. I call it grocery shopping. Babe, I'm just going grocery shopping. That's how I rationalize it with her. And so I like, I like, I like this time of year. I love to go out in the woods with my son. And this Bible verse says, like, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Today, I simply want us to think about this concept, and I want us to look at this to see who it is that, that God has called us to be as parents or, or grandparents or even mentors. It could be even children if you're, if you're a student in here or a child in here to listen to what hopefully your parents are doing and, and listen. The arrow represents the child. The arrow in this simply represents the child. Every person in the room has potential. The younger you are, the more potential that you have. I kind of get a little bit annoyed when people tell kids, you know, you can do anything you want to do. You know, I'm probably not ever going to tell my son, you can do anything you want to do. Cooper, you're not going to play center for the thunder, okay? You're probably going to be 5'11 and you're white, all right? I'm just sorry, all right? <laughs> it's just not going to happen. But we all have potential. Parents, I want you to think about the potential that your kids have. Even adults in here, you have potential. You have things that God has put in you not just for your own glory, but for you to be able to do things to reach people. Potential simply means this, having or showing the capacity to become or develop into something in the future. I wanna ask you a question. This arrow has potential, doesn't it? What could this arrow be used for? Many years ago, this was, this was life. This was used to hunt food. This could be used to, to defend your house. If you break into my house, you're gonna see me like this in my boxers with, a, with my bow and arrow, all right? I don't know what's scarier, but... I could use this arrow for a lot of things. And can I tell you, today, every student, every child, every, every person that we're bringing up, they have the same potential. I want you to look at these, these pictures that you have up here. I want you to think of the potential that these children have. Some of these, well, probably you don't, you don't recognize any of these right now, but I guarantee you, you have, you have most likely heard of every single one of these pictures that you're looking at. In the top left, 
Oh, look at that cute little baby. <clears throat> Think about the, the potential that this baby had as he grew up to be Adolf Hitler. I want you to look at the second picture. Michael, could you bring me my water? I'm sorry. The second picture is somebody who changed our world and changed our country forever for the good. That would be Martin Luther King Jr. Think about the potential that he had and what he did to reach people. Over here on the right, I wonder if that father, as he was holding his children, as he was going about his day, whatever he was doing, I wonder if he realized that young boy right there on the far right with the hat on, that young boy would grow up to be Billy Graham. I want you to think of the lives that have been changed. In the bottom left, flipping back on the other end of the spectrum, that cute little baby boy, the potential that he had, potential for good, potential for bad, what could he have done? That young boy grew up to be Timothy McVeigh who bombed the Murrah building. Now the verdict's still out on the other picture as that would be your youth pastor, Michael Ballard, and we're gonna see what happens um, with him in the future. <laughs> but I want you to know that we have potential. And as I sit with students every day of my life, I know that there's so much potential. If there could just be a superhero called a mom and a dad, or a grandma or a grandpa, or an aunt or an uncle, somebody that would come along beside them. I love what it says in Deuteronomy. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I love the conversations that I have with my son. I wish I could stand here with you and say, as a youth pastor, we have incredible family devotions every night at 7.30, then we go to bed. Can I tell you when the best devotions happen? It's when I'm just driving down the road with my son. Daddy asks me a question. Daddy, what about this? It's when we're sitting at home around the dinner table. It's when we're out just doing things, playing catch, whatever it might be. I don't want to overlook those times because I know that my son has so much potential. I will never forget the first counseling appointment I had as a youth pastor. I was a middle school pastor at the Bridge Assembly of God, now, now just the, yeah, the bridge in, in Mustang, used to be Mustang First Assembly of God, and I got called, Ryan, there's someone who would like to talk to you in the conference room. And I walked downstairs, and there was a young lady sitting there crying. There was a dad that was sitting there, a mom that was sitting there. It was a stepdad and the mom, and they were crying. And, and in walks the young youth pastor who's going to save the world, right? <laughs> and I walk in there, and I, and I saw this girl and she was sitting there and she was crying and the dad would ask a question and I would ask a question. I didn't know what to do. I'd watch Dr. Phil a few times and so I was trying it out and, and I'm sitting there talking to her and she just has tears coming down her face and we were getting nowhere. I was like, God, I need your help. The next 30 seconds would be something that would change my life forever. I asked her, I said, what is wrong? What can, we, what can I help you with? She said, every night at 10.30 or 11, I walk to 7-Eleven. This was a girl who was in ninth grade. Every night at 10, 30, 11, I walk to 7-Eleven. And my dad, my stepdad, never tells me no. I was like, what in the world? The Holy Spirit helped me out. I said, you want your stepdad to tell you no because you know that's not safe, isn't it? And tears started flooding down her face. She said, that's all I want. She just wanted somebody to love her and care for her because she had never, ever, ever been able to experience love like that before. And she was doing things on purpose that she knew wasn't safe <coughs> just to see if someone would help her. 
Today, when we look at our students, today, when, when you look at, at, at youth culture, when you look at children, you have to look at them in the same way that Jesus looked at the people in Mark chapter 6. It said, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. The older I get, the less effective I think I should be in youth ministry. I'm not cool, okay? I can't spike my hair. I can't even do the cool fade, all right? I can't play the guitar. I thought about getting a tattoo right here, but I'm allergic to pain, all right? I just, there's nothing about me that is cool, but the older I get, it seems like the more effective it is. Why is that? It's because I'm now old enough. I'm 35. I I have kids in my youth group whose parents aren't a whole lot older than me. What I realize is, is that these kids just simply want a father. Your kids have all the potential in the world. So what does it mean? It means this. The second thing is the warrior represents the parent. The warrior represents the parent. This Wednesday night, if you were to walk into my youth group, if you were to walk into into Bridge Students, you would find a girl at the check-in desk checking in students. She graduated last year. Now she's an adult leader. It's so cool. One of the joys of my life as a youth pastor is to get to perform the weddings and, 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 and different things for, for students who were in our youth ministry. If you knew her, you would think she was just a regular church kid with a great family, but that's not how her life started. Her mom got pregnant at the age of 24 out of wedlock by an abusive alcoholic drug abuser. The little girl only saw her father occasionally, and starting at the age of one, he started taking her for overnight visits. He would pick her up at the daycare and the teachers would have to put her in the car because she did not want to go with him. She should have been another statistic. She was an arrow that had potential, but it should have been another statistic like we read about. It should be another young lady who didn't quite make it. But that's not what happened. Her mom wrote this about her now stepdad. And it's funny because nobody in our youth ministry realized that that was her stepdad. Her mom wrote this about her her stepdad. We began dating when Zeta was three. Zeta immediately fell in love with Jason. We married November 8th, 2003, after dating for about a year. She wouldn't let go of him at the wedding. He carried her everywhere, not just at the wedding, but always. He said because he did not get to carry, he, he carried her all the time because he says that he did not get to carry her the first three to four years of her life, and he wanted to make up for it. What is the point? The point is, is that was an era. What happened? A warrior stepped in. A warrior, not a stepdad, there's not, a father stepped in and said, I'm going to be the warrior that you need. I, I, I love history. I especially like war history, all right? And I was reading about Pearl Harbor, and one day I read that Washington, D.C. was warned three days before the attack that the Japanese Empire was eyeing up Hawaii with a view to open up conflict. The date of the memo was December 4th, 1941. And if you know, December 7th, 1941, is the day that lived in infamy. What happened? They fell asleep and they did not realize the potential of what they were reading. Parents, can I tell you today, grandparents, can I tell you today, youth pastors and, and, and Sunday school teachers and, 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 you, and children's workers and every program you have, can I tell you this today, that Satan wants nothing more than to declare war. He has, he has declared war on our students. And we are the warriors, parents, you are the warriors that God has called. Not to ask your parents, what do you think? Do you want to go to church? Do you want to do this? No. You are the warrior that says, ask for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Whether or not you like it or whether or not you want to realize that Satan wants your kids. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, Follow my example as I follow 
the example of Christ. Perhaps God has laid it on, on your heart to be a foster parent. Perhaps God has laid it on your heart to, to adopt a kid. Can I tell you that today our kids need warriors? If we want to change the world, we're going to change our families and our kids. As a grandparent, you can be a warrior. I, I, I just want to talk to the dads for just one second, for the dads and the father figures. And maybe, maybe you're not a father, maybe you're not a dad, but if you're a male, fig, if you're a male then you can you can, make, you can be a father in someone's heart and life. A, a, a survey found this. It, it was really, really interesting. It was a, data collected by promise keepers. If a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. If a father does go regularly, regardless of what the mother does, between two-thirds and three-quarters of their children will attend church as adults. If a father attends church... Excuse me, if a father attends church irregularly, between half and two-thirds of their kids will attend church with some regularity as adults. What am I saying? I'm saying as moms and dads, and especially for those of you who are dads, God has called us to be the warrior in our kids' life. The second thing is this, is the bow. I believe the bow represents the setup. Now, if, if, if you were to look at my bow, if you know anything about bow hunting, if you don't believe in hunting, I'm sorry. In Acts 9, it says, arise, kill, and eat, but that's okay. Um, <clears throat> If you're a vegetarian, I just want to say, when we get to heaven, we're eating bacon, all right? Um, but here, here's the setup. There's, there's all different kinds of things. There's the stabilizer. There's, there's the peep sight. There's, there's the sight. There's the string. I have the release on my hand. There's, there's the arrows. There's, there's the quiver, okay? You're like, Ryan, what are you talking about the setup? Well, you know, back in the old days, they just had the two pieces of wood, and you would just, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to the setup. I want you to read about a, about a compound bow for just a second. A compound bow is a modern bow that uses a levering system, usually of cables and pulleys, to bend the limbs. The pulley cam system grants the user, listen to this, a mechanical advantage, and so the limbs of a compound bow are much stiffer and the, than the recurve or the longbow, and the arrows go much further and much more, and, and much farther. My, my boss just bought a bow. You're like, you guys are weird Mustang, I know. My boss just bought a bow. You can shoot it 100 yards. What am I saying the setup is? The setup is this. You're sitting in the setup. Don't ever, real, don't ever forget, don't ever quit thanking God for the church that you have. Because now it's not just what you can do as a parent, but now you're set up with a children's program and a youth program and a pastor and everything that you have here. You are set up not just doing this on your own, not just walking through life on your own, but you are setting up your kids. You are setting up your family. Every single time you walk into the house of God, it's no longer just what you can do, but now it's what we can do as a church family to raise our kids together, the setup. One of the things that I struggle with as, as a youth pastor, as a pastor is, is man, where, is the, where are our priorities? What are we setting up our kids for? We spend all sorts of time and money trying to get our kids set up with a scholarship, right? And I understand that. And listen, I'm not, before you know, my, listen, I played sports. I got my college paid for with a football scholarship. My son is on, uh, my son is probably the greatest athlete that's ever walked on the face of the planet at the age of seven. Um, our t-ball team is back-to-back -back undefeated. All right, we're ready to go, all right? <laughs> Going into coach pitch, he was 22 or 25. I, I, you don't care, all right. So before you, I'm not hating on anything, guys. I, I love sports. I, I love to compete. I love everything. That, but, but I want you to think about this. Stats show us that about 2% of high school athletes will get a scholarship to attend a NCAA school at the average price of $11,000 per year. 
as I look, I don't know about you, as I look around at the, some of the families in my town, I truly believe that sometimes they spend more money trying to get the scholarship than the scholarship's even worth. Two percent of our kids will, will get an NCAA scholarship. Listen to this. A hundred percent of our kids will spend eternity somewhere. I want you to think about that. I'm all for band camp and football camp and cheerleading camp and every kind of camp you could ever go to. I'm all for debate. I'm all for every activity you could ever be in because I believe God wants us to be involved in everything you can. But parents, let's not forget to set up our kids. Lord, help us if we set up our kids for a great life, but we don't set them up for eternity because 100% of them will spend eternity somewhere. Amen? The next thing is the target. Over here, I have a target and you see a target, I usually like to tell people what I'm aiming at after I shoot, it's easier. Well, here's, here, here's a target. Can I ask your question, if your kids are an arrow, then my, my question to you is, is, is what are you aiming for? What is it that is, is at the center of your, of your life? What is, what is your goal? The target represents what you are aiming at. What is the target? I love what 3 John says, 1-4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. What is your sight set at? What, your, your, determines, your priorities determine your sight. Your sight determines the target, and your target determines the destiny of the arrow. Your target determines the destination of your arrow. What are your priorities? Your priorities are leading and guiding and funneling your family. Mark 8, 36 says this, what good is it for someone to gain the world yet forfeit your soul? I notice when I'm shooting a gun or when I'm looking through something, when I'm looking at a site, when I'm looking at this, there's a lot of stuff that I don't see anymore. When I'm looking through my site, it magnifies the target and it cuts out a lot of peripheral things. If you're going to hit the target, you're gonna to have to realize, listen to me, if you're gonna hit the target, there's gonna be a lot of things that you might miss. But let's not forget what the target is. The next thing is this, the tension, the tension, I just wanna show you something real fast, all right? If I was hunting, now this is gonna be a little silly and don't make fun of me, okay, but we're already, we're past that point. I'm sure you're already making fun of me. If you were to go hunting or if you were trying to protect your, like, oh, there's a deer over there. Now listen, most of you in here would probably, okay, there's a deer, if that's how you're gonna eat, would you rather shoot the bow or would you be like, hey, here we go. <laughs> All right? It's probably not going to work. Why? Because there wasn't any tension. Now, I want you to think about it like this. Now, all of a sudden, there's tension. Oh, ugh. it's hard to pull this back, isn't it? It's kind of difficult. Is there a difference? I don't know. Let's see if there's a difference. All right? Justin's out of town. If I hit something, we'll have time to fix it. <laughs> So I, want you to, I just want you to think about for a second the difference between what you just saw. Jesus, please take the will. <laughs> and that. Now there's a difference, isn't there? 
What's the difference? The difference was tension, right? The difference was my arm trying to throw something and the setup and everything that goes into this bow, it's the tension of it, all right? The tension represents training and discipline. If you come for nothing else today, can you listen to this? I want you to listen to Romans chapter five, verse three, because I believe today there's a lot of people, not just parents who who try to take any kind of tension and, and training out of their kid's life, but all of us, we wanna go to the path of least resistance. Listen to what it says right here. In Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. Ryan, what are you saying? What this says is you have suffering, then you have perseverance, and that builds character, and character gives us hope. Why are there so many students today that don't have hope? I believe it's because if we back up, it's because we don't have character. Why do we not have character? Because according to Scripture, we don't have any perseverance. And why do we not have any perseverance? It's because there aren't any sufferings. What do you mean, Ryan? I mean this. If we never allow anything to happen to our kids, then they're not ever going to be able to suffer. If they can never suffer, they're never going to persevere. If they never persevere, they're not going to have character. And if they don't have character, then there's not going to be any hope. There is no place in the Bible where you go lay your hands on someone and you pray for them and you impart character into their life. How do you get character? You have to go through some things. You have some scars. Listen, scars aren't a sign that you're dying. Scars are a sign that you've healed. You, you have to, I heard somebody say this, don't ever trust anybody with, who doesn't have any scars because they've never been through anything. My son, when he was in pre-K, just a couple years ago, when he was in pre-K, we noticed every morning when it was cold, he never wanted to wear his jacket. He just always wanted to wear his hoodie. And so we were like, okay, that's cool. So he would wear his hoodie. And so my wife goes and she talks to the, uh, she goes and she talks to his teacher and, and he gets great reports back. He's doing great on his, and all his work. He's just an amazing young man. And, and except for one area, the one thing that he couldn't do was zip his jacket up. And all of a sudden it clicked in our brain. That's why every single day when it's cold outside, that's why he never wants to wear his jacket. He always wants to wear his hoodie. Why? Because he couldn't zip up his jacket. And at the age of four, he couldn't zip up his jacket. And so we started working with him. We said, Cooper, you're not going to wear your hoodie anymore. We're putting the hoodie in the closet. You're going to start wearing your jacket. And you would have thought that we told him he couldn't eat anymore. All right? No. We said, no, Cooper, you've got to do this. Now, can I just tell you this? Can I tell you what would have been easier for me as a parent? And what I did a couple times, but don't tell my wife, but this is what would have been much easier. Walk up to my son and just zip up the jacket, all right? That's what I would have done, all right? That would have been a whole lot easier. But we began this little journey where he started to learn how to zip up his jacket. A couple weeks later, he would zip up his jacket. He had finally learned. He struggled through it. He didn't like it. He cried a little bit. Now he zipped up his jacket. He's walking into pre-K like, what's up, girls, you know? <laughs> Sup, I zipped up, zipped up my jacket. Your boyfriend wears a hoodie, all right? <laughs> Ryan, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that we allowed him to suffer a little bit. Was it fun? No. But at the early age, I want my son to have hope. And how does he have hope if he has character? How does he have character if he perseveres? And how can he persevere if we never allow our children to go anything? I want you to think of David. What did David say right before he killed Goliath? I know that I can beat Goliath 
I know that I can take him down because God also helped me deliver the lion and the bear. If he had never delivered the lion and never delivered the bear, he would not have had the confidence through Jesus Christ to go out there and defeat Goliath. Why do we not have people who kill Goliath as many times as we should? I believe it's because we don't have the character. And why do we not have the character? We have, we have moms and dads suing schools because their kid got, got cut from the soccer team, right? Listen to me, parents. We've got, I'm not saying we go out there, oh, just throw them out the door, go suffer. You're going to get some character. That's not what I'm saying. You know what I'm talking about. Last year, we had this little thing at our church called the Pinewood Derby, okay? And, and so my son has this car. And, and it was pretty fast, but then it lost. And the winner got a really cool, big, huge Nerf gun, okay? My son got fifth. You didn't get anything for fifth, all right? But you got a really cool Nerf gun, for fifth. And my son looked at me when that kid got the Nerf gun, and I knew what he was thinking in his head. Why do you stink as a dad, and he's better at building cars than me, all right, than you are? I knew what he was thinking. I'm sorry, son. (laughs) Next year, we'll cheat. (laughs) Not really. Um, I'll buy that car. And anyway, and can I tell you, I I almost said, I'll go to Walmart and buy you, and then I didn't. I said, Cooper, we've had fun. And I thought to myself, you know, I almost did it. I almost went and got him the prize even though he didn't win, but I didn't want to. Why? Because I want him to understand that sometimes there has to be some tension. Training's hard. It's hard on the person who's training. It's not always easy to say, we're going to go to church today. We're going to, we're going to, no, you're going to do your homework. No, you're going to turn it in. No, you're going, no. But what happens is that sometimes in our life we have to realize that I'm the parent, I'm the mom, I'm the grandparent, and we are gonna do what we are supposed to do. Perhaps you're in here and every time something hard comes along, you run away. And you're constantly asking God to promote you or to give you the job, and God says, how can I let you do big things if you've never done little things? I believe that's in the Bible somewhere. God, help us to be people who you can trust with little things so that you can trust us to do big things. We have to have tension. Without the tension, the arrow is much less effective and it accomplishes little. The next thing is this. It's the anchor point. When you're shooting a bow, now I'm not going to shoot at it again because I actually I might have killed a deer with that. I don't want to hit the wall. But when you're shooting a bow, you don't like, you know, like if you're a gangster, you don't like to do this. Like, what's up? You know, uh, how, how do you shoot a bow, right? Every time you have to do the same thing and your hand goes right here and every time you do the same thing, it's called an anchor point. I want to ask you today, do you have any anchor points in your life? Ryan, what are you talking about anchor points? Well, the anchor point represents the non-negotiables. The anchor point represents the non-negotiables. These are the things that, that, that don't change in our life. These are the things that we, don't, that we don't talk about. These are the things that aren't up for discussion. These are the things that that we don't ask our kids, hey, what do you want to do? Kids today get asked a lot of questions, all right? I didn't have a lot of questions asked me when I was growing up. It was, you want tea or you want water? That was about the only decision I made, all right? Everything else was, here you go. (laughs) What are the anchor points in your life? What are your non-negotiables? If you talk to people who shoot bows, they say, you don't want a floating anchor point because you can't ever get consistent. You gotta know. It just becomes muscle memory. What are the things, these are the things that you're just going to do. Can I tell you the sad reality and the sad truth? The young lady in that story that I I told you about, I would love to say after that day that her mom and dad said thank you and I would love to tell you that they got in church. I would love to tell you that the life was radically changed. I would love to tell you that 
she's now doing great. Can I tell you what the reality of it is? The reality of it is, is I never saw that family again. The reality of it is, 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 is I, never, I never saw them again. Never talked to the girl again, never saw the parents again, never heard anything else from the dad. Never heard anything else from the mom. I don't know where the girl is today. Hopefully she's doing great. Ryan, why did you never see him again? Can I tell you, the reason I didn't see him is, is partly, part of the reason why they were in the office to begin with. It's because they didn't have any anchor points. It wasn't a non-negotiable. See, this is what I have found in life. There's, we all go through bad times, but a lot of times in life, we end up praying prayers of desperation or we can pray prayers of preparation. And yes, this is a place where everyone comes, but can I tell you, the Bible says to know what is right and not do it is sin. And there's been a lot of times in our church, I, I, I've talked to students and, and their parents, for, for 17 years, church hasn't been a priority. And then they come up and they say, hey, you know what, all of a sudden, I need this to be a priority. And I can't fix in 30 minutes what 17 years has changed. What are some of your anchor points? I, 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 would, I would encourage you for an anchor point to be Sunday morning. I would encourage your anchor point to be your small groups that you have. I would encourage your anchor point to be date nights with your wife. I would encourage an anchor point to be dinner with your family. Go home and read the statistics about families who eat dinner together. What are your anchor points going to be? The last thing that I want to talk about is this part right here. And my prayer today is that something that I say, just one little nugget is something that you and your family could take. The last part is this right here. This is called the stabilizer. If you try to shoot a bow without a stabilizer, you, you can. It just isn't as easy. You can, it's just not as easy. What's the stabilizer? Well, a lot of you say, Ryan, you probably grew up in a, in a house where you served God, didn't you? Yeah, I did. You probably grew up in a family where everybody loved God. Mm. Yeah, I did. My grandpa, though, my grandpa never had a relationship with his father because of alcohol. In January of 1976, my grandpa bought clothes for his dad and buried a man that he had seen four times. At the age of 12, he said this, at the age of 12, I learned you just do what is right. He, he, this way he said, you just show up and you do what's right. When he went to see his, when his mom married his stepdad, he went on the train to meet his stepdad and he was so excited because for the first time in my grandpa's life, he was gonna have a dad. He got on the train. When he got on the train, his, his stepdad was sitting there he walked on the train with his mom, all excited to see his stepdad, and his stepdad looked at his mom and looked at him and said, excuse me, but he said, what the hell is this? You didn't tell me you were bringing him. That was how my grandpa grew up. But he knew, I need a stabilizer, and he got in church. Is he perfect? No. He knew that he needed the stabilizer. He knew that he needed someone. My dad, my own father, would sneak in his room and read the Bible because he was scared to do it in front of his parents. Ryan, what are you saying? I'm saying today we need the stabilizer. What is the stabilizer? The stabilizer is Jesus Christ in his word. The stabilizer is Jesus Christ in his word. And I don't know where you're at today, but I want you to end with this. It's so cool to think that Jesus Christ is our stabilizer. Ryan, what do you mean? It means the word of God, you can build your life on it. Every week when Justin's preaching, you have the word of God 
The Bible says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. He's the grace that you need to set you free and the truth that you need to keep you free. But I want you to read something. I want you to think about the next time that you see a bow. I want you to realize that God used a bow to show the covenant of the stabilizer, right? I thought it was a rainbow. Actually, it's a bow. Scholars will tell you that it's a bow. I want, I want you to listen to this. In Genesis 9, 13, it says this, and God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all generations, I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is set in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is being made between me and you and every living creature. Ryan, what are you talking about? The bow simply represents this. When you see a rainbow in the sky, it looks like this, doesn't it? It doesn't look like this. The bow is up. Why is that? Because God is reminding the earth, the wrath that you deserve, the wrath that Ryan Summers deserves. I have a covenant. And Noah didn't realize it when he saw the bow. He didn't realize what it meant exactly. But what happens is when you see that bow, what God is saying is, listen, I'm not shooting my arrows of wrath anymore. The next time that I judge the earth, he, the next time that I judge the earth, it's remember the bow, why? Because I'm gonna be shooting my arrows of wrath into my own son who's going to come and die on the cross for my sins and for your sins. That's what the bow represents. The, the arrows of wrath aren't shooting down at me and you, but the arrows of wrath are shooting into Jesus. Why? Because he is our stabilizer. I'm going to ask you to stand today. I'm going to ask our prayer team to, to come forward. I said earlier that I believe that the greatest hero that there could be is a mom and a dad. And I mean that with all of my heart. The greatest hero could be a mom and a dad. But I also know this, that sometimes as warriors, we get tired and, and, and we need help. Perhaps you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. Can I just say that here in a few moments, you can come down and pray. And I want you to remember that that bow is not shooting up or that bow is not shooting down. That bow is shooting up to realize that Jesus shot his arrows of wrath into his own son who died on the cross for you. Perhaps you're here today and, 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 and something that I said it, it spoke to you and, and you or your family needs help or anything like that. As I pray, Shannon's gonna lead us. And I just simply want us to take some time and say, God, what is something that I can, Lord, is there anything today that you're speaking to my heart? Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for these people that are here today. God, I pray and I ask today, Lord, that you would be with them. I ask and I pray, Lord, that today that you would speak into their hearts. God, I pray that you would be the stabilizer that we need to sustain us. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Today, if you need some prayer, I'm going to ask you to come forward. I shall leave this in this song. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.
We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.